Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. Well, how is everybody after last week's heat wave? I guess that's the talk of the town, right? Everybody's talking about that. In fact, they'll be talking about that for years. Really well. Uh, you know, I was thinking that we weren't really living in Grand Prairie, Alberta. We were living in Grand Prairie, Texas. How many have been to Texas? That hot, muggy Texas. I have been there uh, for a little while. But it's interesting because last Tuesday when it was 42 degrees, they had a pleasant 30 degrees. Isn't that something? And, uh, you know, uh, Texas, uh, Grand Prairie, Texas average temperature uh, in the summer is 35 degrees and muggy. So that's interesting. Somebody told me it was so hot this past week, I heard, they heard that the bees took off their yellow jackets. Uh, I don't start moaning. I'm going to talk about encouragement. I'm going to talk about God's love today and about cranking up the joy. That is actually, I don't usually laugh at my own jokes that much. (laughs) Actually, we're talking in this series about cranking up the joy. And perhaps your joy was challenged a a little bit this week. I know mine was. It was really challenged when that portable AC unit that we have that has the hose going out to the window, well, that thing was uh, kicking out the breaker. Can you imagine? (laughs) That wasn't fun. And it just seemed like the air conditioning in our house had its tongue hanging out. 42 degrees. I grew up in Kelowna, uh, some of you know that, and I lived in California, and you know, it was easier there when it was 40 degrees, because I think it was, it was drier. It's kind of desert. This is not desert. I know the, you know, the, the human X was getting up there. But anyway, we're talking about crank up the joy, but I want to talk to you a little bit this morning, first off, about this whole deal of your joy being cranked down, okay? Or, I don't know if this is a word. You've heard me make up words up here before. Is there such a word as de-crank? I don't know. Um, Anyway, uh, I want to tell you the story about this. The The devil decided to have a garage sale. Now, I'm wearing black, so don't you know, don't confuse it here. And the morning of his garage sale, they were setting up the tools that morning. And they were putting them around the venue and making sure they had price tags on every one of them. So, There was quite a number of tools, actually more than I have on display here, but um, there was a good variety of them. There were tools such as envy and pride and deceitfulness 
and hatred and lying, all sorts of tools. But over on the one side, there was this rather insignificant tool. Didn't look like it could do much harm. It was worn out, dirty, looked like it had been used quite a bit. So as the customers came in, one customer said, what is that tool over there in the corner? It's so worn, and it's been so well used, why has it got such a high price on it? When what's the name of this tool? Well, the devil said, ha, this tool is the tool I call discouragement. I use it a lot. It's my favorite tool, in fact. Well, why has it been priced so high? The man asked. Because with this tool, I can pry open people's hearts and I can get inside and I can bring discouragement to them. That's why it's priced so high. It's my favorite tool. And they allow me to do that. And since so many, because so many people have forgot it belongs to me. That's discouragement. But in this series, we're talking about crank up the courage, uh, crank up the joy. Discouragement is a huge joy robber, as you know. In fact, you know, last week in Brent's message, he talked about, uh, about being, you know, not being selfish, about uh, not making it only about you. And discouragement and this only about you attitude that we can have at times run very well together. But I want, this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to talk about this. Never forget God's love for you. Never forget how much God loves for you and that you matter to him. You know, here's the thing. It's very difficult. It's actually impossible to feel discouraged and feel God's love at the same time. Anybody ever tried doing that? Um, it really doesn't work. And maybe you feel today that God doesn't love you because somehow he's got angry with you. And somehow you believe that he remains angry with you or he's, he, he, he doesn't love you. But that is an absolute lie. And you have to turn that lie away right there at the, at the, at the doorposts of your heart. You're not hearing God's voice properly. See, the number one pur purpose in your life is to let God love you. Number one purpose. We think, well, my number one purpose is to do great things for God and run around and, and, and get this done and get that done and do this and do that. But the number one purpose is to let God love you. He sent his only son to allow that. That's a hard thing for us to take as humans. I know that's a hard thing at times for me to take. And when I was a, a teenager and I became a Christian, that was a hard thing to realize. But that was the thing that really changed my life, is that now I could let God love me. 
That's the number one purpose in your life. And when you're discouraged you, and you've lost your joy and your joy is cranked way down, you've got to get back to that. You've got you to remember how much God loves you and to focus on that love. In 1 John 3, chapter 1, uh, chapter, 1, John, 1 John 3, verse 1 and 2, uh, there's a, there's a little scripture there I want to talk about this morning. It comes from John the Apostle. He is the pastor at this time uh, at the church of Ephesus. It's there in the place that we call Turkey. Uh, and he was their pastor for 20 years, and then he got exiled over to the Isle of Patmos. And now Patmos is off the coast of Turkey, just off, just out you know, 30, 40, 50 miles off the coast there uh, from Ephesus, right there in the Aegean, Aegean Sea. John, the beloved apostle in his writings, wrote as an, eye, as an eyewitness. He had seen Jesus. He had walked with Jesus. But look at what he says here. This is, by the way, about 60 years later. 60 years later, he writes this. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God. Now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. John, the beloved apostle, the eyewitness, he starts this letter of John chapter, or 1 John, this letter of John, pardon, in 1 John, writing this. In the message it says, from the very first day we were taking it all in, we heard it with our eyes, we saw it with our eyes. That's in, that's in the first part, uh, the first chapter of First John, sorry. From the very first day we were taking it all in, we heard it with our eyes and saw it, saw it with our eyes and heard it with our ears. You remember what he said? There, remember John there, when he was with the other apostles and they're down by the, uh, the sea fishing, he's, Jesus comes along and he says, follow me. From that very first moment, he heard the call of Jesus and he witnessed, and they all witnessed how Jesus was the Son of God and that he loved them. And he writes here, see how great a love the Father has given us. John saw it. And he still saw it 60 years later. He saw it in the very terrible 60 years later when he was being exiled away from his pastorate, away from the church that he had loved and that he had helped the people. And they had grown and they had become a force in Ephesus and that is why they whisked him away to the Isle of Patmos. John saw the love. See how great a love, he says, what I want you to focus on this morning is an abundant love. That's the first thing. It's an abundant love. It's, it's the word see, this display 
I'm showing you this display of his great love. It all is all about seeing it. It's about seeing it with our spiritual eyes because sometimes we can't see it with our physical eyes. We look around and we can, all we can see is maybe heartbreak. All we can see is discouragement. All we can see is things uh, just seem to be going south. Something has happened. The last 16 months is kind of like that. But Jesus was still with us. He was giving us his abundant love. And we see it in all he's done for us. Here's the thing. Sometimes we look in our lives, and we, if we were kind of private detectives, you know, or, you know, we're detectives looking at a case, they look for evidence. But we look sometimes at the wrong evidences in our lives. We need to see the right ev- evidence, Paul, uh, John says. See how great a love the Father has for us. The evidences are there. It's God's truth. Circumstances, difficulties, sufferings may seem like Jesus doesn't care, but that is a lie. Jesus does care. You matter to him. And that's a lie that can indeed, it can need do this. It can crank down your joy. But we're talking this morning about cranking up the joy. Don't sit in your discouragement. There's a, another verse out of his book that he wrote, John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they would have life and have it, here it is, more abundantly. Uh, it's from the parable of the good shepherd. You know, you know parables are stories that Jesus told uh, about real life that had contained spiritual truths. He begins uh, telling this story, talking about a predator who enters into the sheepfold, to where the sheep are. But he doesn't come in the door. He climbs up and he gets in another way. And that's a very bad thing because he would have destroyed the sheep. Uh, The only way to the sheep was the shepherd. In fact, sometimes a shepherd would have his sheep out in the field. This is back in those days. And he might take them to a place near, uh, you know, where there were some rocks and hills and kind of a little like an alcove type of thing, and he would put the sheep in there. And then he would lay down, literally, at the front. And he was the door for the sheep. Nobody could get to those sheep unless they came through the shepherd. You understand that in your life? Do you understand that truth? But nobody... The enemy cannot get to you. His wiles, his, his tools of discouragement and deceit and all these things we talked about this morning, they can't get to you because they have to come through the shepherd first. Here's the interesting, another interesting thing about this scripture and this abundant love, you know, the very uh, picture of this, that the great shepherd opened the door and sent his son the shepherd of the flock, our shepherd, to die on the cross and be the door 
by which to be the way that we might come to the Father. The only way. You must come through Jesus. You must come through the shepherd. And through his love, through that abundant love, he sent his son Jesus the door. You know, the people of that day were suppressed so much by the Romans. They were conned by a religious system that was supposed to show the love of God, but did not show the love of God. But, you know, Jesus didn't come to overthrow the Roman Empire. In fact, a lot of people got hepped up about that and thought that he had come to uh, overthrow the... And they were, they, were, they were completely wrong. And they, in a sense, the crowd, they turned on Jesus. Um, others believed that maybe he would revive religion. But that was a dead religious system. What he did, he says, he came that they would have life more abundantly. He came and he started a group of followers called the apostles who would then go out into all the world, preach the gospel, and begin this thing we call the church, the fellowship of believers. See how great a love the Father has given us? Never forget how much God loves you and the provision that he has made for you and for me to send Jesus. Now, you've heard about him and maybe you have received him as your savior and maybe you're following him but don't get sidetracked in the lies. It's easy to get sidetracked in the lies and in the ways uh, of, of society. It's e easy to go off into... Uh, you know, getting down about the news. I mean, it, it was even kind of simple this week, wasn't it? Because I tell you, I grew up in hot weather, but I'm telling you, and I, I don't really like 40 below very much, but 42 above was getting to me. Just a little bit. <laughs> don't get sidetracked by the lies. Don't get sidetracked by, well, if only. If only I had done this as a parent. If only I had done this in my career. If only I had made this decision then. Don't get sidetracked by that stuff that brings you down, that brings you discouragement, that takes you away. And, and you, so you, you, it covers it. It masks it. You don't see the abundant life and the abundant love that Jesus has provided for us. See, having life in Jesus is some... It's some wonderful things. We have salvation from sin. We've been set apart for a purpose. And some of us, oh, some of us are still, well, we are discovering our purpose. Our purpose isn't just set in stone. We're discovering it. And what the, the first purpose is to let God love us and go from there. You know, that that's, can be tough at times. But it's a good step because it's open to us, right? Jesus has opened it. And another thing, he, has, he wants to supply all our needs according to his riches. Maybe not all our wants, you know? Guys, you want that sports car? Uh, maybe not going to have that. It's not a need. It's a want. Or ladies, sometimes, you know, you want this. You like to shop, but maybe you just can't get that right now. And it's not... It, 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 uh, he supplies our needs 
not our wants. Did I mix those two up? I think I did. But um, we've been set apart for a purpose. We've been given uh, our, all our needs according to his riches. And we don't have to work for it. It's by his grace through faith it comes to us. Abundant life is upon receiving, comes to us upon receiving Jesus as our Savior. And then the Holy Spirit indwells us. You know this thing? We have the abundant life of God and the Holy Spirit lives within us. And you know that we are powerless to live the Christian life without that? Without him? Ask him to give you that power. That means you don't run on empty. Some of you have maybe run on empty for a long time. Some of you, or maybe all of us, got under the blanket we call COVID, and we all seemed empty. And we all seemed purposeless, and it seemed like we could maybe not do the things that we wanted to do. But remember this. This is what Jesus' promise was for wherever you are, wherever you're going, whatever circumstance it is you're in. It's John 14, 16. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. He's talking to his disciples when, they were, when he was going to be leaving. So that he may be with you Forever. That helper, that's an advocate. That's one, the, the word literally means called alongside to help. The spirit of truth. And he was, this is lavished upon us. It's been given to us. All of these things through his abundant love. Uh, later it says in 1 John 4, 9 and 10, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live in him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Abundant love means abundant life. It goes on to say in this passage that we're looking at this morning in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, the first part of it, it says, now we are the children of God. So we have abundant love, but we have something that's another look at it. It's called immediate love. There's a story recorded by Luke in his book. And remember, John the Apostle would have been there to see it because he traveled with Jesus. And it's the story about Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? He's a real tall guy, right? No. Zacchaeus was a little short guy. And uh, it's a great story. Uh, he's a short man. He heard about Jesus coming to his town. He's a tax collector, as you know. He was a chief tax collector, in fact. And he had a reputation he hated his own people. He was hated by his own people. He probably hated them too, the Jews. He was considered a traitor because he collected taxes from the Romans, and this is how he collected them. He got a percentage cut. He would go out, he'd get as much as he could out of you because the more he got, the higher percentage, the uh, more, more he got from you for the Romans, the higher percentage he got uh, for himself. 
so he became a very wealthy man, but he was an outcast of society. You know, he couldn't even go and worship at the synagogue. Now, that would have been a very familiar thing for him to do. He would have grown up in the synagogue, as tall as he could grow up. Uh, he would have grown up there. And he was banned from the synagogue because he was an outcast. He was a traitor. He belonged with the Romans, and you couldn't have a guy like that in this place. So Jesus comes to Jericho, and there's Zacchaeus trying to see him. He couldn't see him. You just couldn't see him. He's looking up. Have you ever been by a fan, one of those fences? You just, you just got to get up a little bit higher and you just can't get over it? Well, here's, G, here's Zacchaeus looking for Jesus. There's a big crowd. Everybody's taller than him. Uh, he couldn't see him. He couldn't see him even if he strained. So he runs ahead down the, uh, the road there and he climbs up into a sycamore tree, as you know. So you know, that itself is kind of a weird thing because when you're a wealthy man, you don't do those things. You don't run down the street. You don't climb up trees. That's what your servants do for you if you've got to get something out of a tree or you've got to run somewhere. Only servants would do that. But here's Zacchaeus. He's climbing up a tree. If I can only get a glimpse of Jesus... And what happens? Jesus sees him. He sees him up there. And he calls him by name. You ever think about that? How long had it been since Jesus was actually called by name? At least endearingly. You know, he must maybe called by name with a few other words in front of it. Maybe he was called Shorty. He was called thief. He was called Roman lover. He was called traitor. And a lot of things that I can't even say from up here in this stage. But you know what? The interesting thing about Zacchaeus, you know what his name means? It means pure in the original language. That's what it means. It means pure. And he probably hadn't been called that. And he only could recollect maybe when his mom called him that. His mom don't know if she was alive. Maybe she just stayed away because she knew how much she wasn't liked. I don't know. But here's the thing. Think about this. You could even close your eyes for a minute and visualize this. He, he calls you by name and put your name in here. He says, come down from that tree. He says that to you. Come down. Come down from where you're hiding. Come out from behind it. Come down and see me. Come down and visit with me. You know, Jesus chooses the most unloved, disrespected, despised man in the whole area. He was the chief tax collector. He had other tax collectors working for him. He was kind of the dis district rep. All those other guys would work under him. But here's Jesus, no judgment, no thinking it over. Does he fit the bill? This is the same way that Jesus thinks about you and me. See, I don't even sometimes think that good about myself. I don't. Maybe you're that way too. 
You know, you get inside your head and you start looking at your mistakes and you think about maybe the past. Jesus doesn't think that of you. Jesus doesn't think, well, hmm, should I be seen with that guy? See, here's the thing. Not only does he see Zacchaeus, not only does he call Zacchaeus by name, but Jesus immediately says, hurry, come down, I must stay at your house. Wow. Talk about immediate love. I'm coming over, Zacchaeus. I'm going to stay at your house. I'm going to see what color the drapes are in your house. I'm going to see everything about you because I want to know you. And I want you to know me. That's God's immediate love. He sees me. He notices me. He wants me. Hurry, come down. He likes me. I'm staying at your house today, Zacchaeus. He understands me. You know, he knows you better than you know yourself. Here's a great scripture. Um, actually, we used to sing this scripture years and years ago when I was a young Christian. It was very popular to sing scripture. In fact, um, one of those guys' names uh, from Australia, um, they have a rendition of this song. Those guys from Australia. <laughs> Hillsong, yes, thank you. Hillsong actually does a rendition of this song. They did it in about 2014, so it's getting old already. It's this, and I'm, I'm reading it out of the ESV. I may have given you back there the wrong... You can put it up there, but here's the ESV. because These are the words that really work good in the song. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Never forget how much God loves you. The steadfast love. That means the solid rock love. Never ceases. His mercies. That's his love demonstrated. It never ceases. It, they are new every morning. Talk about immediate love. Let this immediate love touch you. Sometimes we think, oh, here's another morning. Man, I had such a rough day at the office yesterday. I had such a rough day with the kids yesterday. Here's another morning. I wake up and I don't say, good morning, Lord. I say, Lord, it's morning. That's what some of us, we get to that. Let this immediate love, this abundant love, the steadfast love of the Lord, the mercies that never end, this, his great faithfulness, let it crank up your joy. John chapter 3, uh, John, 1 John chapter 3, verses 2, verse 2, the second part says, it has not appeared as yet what we shall be this is enduring love. Let me explain. What we see in our world today, is a, as I said before, is a joy kill, killer. It cranks down our joy. The fear and the frustration of the last 16 months cranks down our joy. I don't know anybody 
that would have had their joy cranked up by stuff that went on and we were restricted and all of that, all that stuff. I don't think anybody would. But here's the thing. This is about the enduring love. Rick Warren, in his book, What, a, what on Earth Am I Here For? Many of us have read that and studied it. It was one of the first books that we studied when we first came to this church um, 2003, uh, 18 years ago. Life is a temporary assignment. Your identity is eternity and your homeland is heaven. John writes this in his other, one of his other books, actually the Gospel of John, he says this in 1633, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, we all know about trouble, don't we? Anybody not know about trouble? Are you afraid to raise your hand? <laughs> there isn't anybody that doesn't know about trouble. That's trouble with a capital T. And that rhymes with P and that stands for problems. Right? Some of you know about that musical. That, were, that was from a musical in the 50s. Didn't quite go like that, but it was close. Jesus said this to his disciples in the room after the Last Supper, before he was arrested in the garden. Something. Hmm. Never forget how much God loves you. Jesus said, I have overcome the world, you guys. Take heart, because you're going to need to take heart. These guys, all but, all but 11, all but one of them, 11 of them, were martyred for Christ. John is the only one that lived, and he lived to be about 100 years old. And uh, he went through a lot of persecution near the end of his life, well, all, all through his life. Never forget how much God loves you. Get a different perspective, and let that joy be cranked up in your life. Let the encouragement come. When things get, get tough, remember this. It has not appeared as yet what we will be. You matter to him. You are not home yet. But you still matter to him. We are going home one day, but you still matter to him now. And that's an enduring love. You can endure because he endured. And he gave you the promise that one day, Here's a great scripture. This is one scripture that, uh, all the scriptures are great, but look at this one in Hebrews chapter 12, 2 and 3. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Remember, Pastor Nelson talked a few weeks ago about our faith and that our faith, we're given a measure of faith. You see, you're not the pioneer of your faith. You might say, well, I got to go out and get some faith. Or you might say, I got to go out and dig some up somewhere. Maybe there's some out, some out there under the apple tree. Yeah. And you're not the perfecter of your faith either. Pastor Nelson was talking about, he gives us a measure of faith, and you are neither the perfecter, the author, the starter, whatever you want to call it. You're none of those. So fixing our eyes on Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of the of, our, of faith, for the joy set before him, 
he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, that's Jesus, considered him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? You know what, in this scripture, something, you know what the joy set before him was? What do you think the joy? He's on the cross. What's the joy that's set before him that he can see with his eyes, spiritual eyes? The joy set before him is us. It's the church. It's the followers of Jesus all down through the ages. So we set our eyes on him and we don't grow weary and lose heart. Our encouragement is cranked up. Our, Our joy is cranked up. Here's an old lyric, another one from an old song back when I was a young Christian. It said, it said this, when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. So abundant love, immediate love, enduring love, and then finally, 1 John 3, verse 2 the third part. I call it C, A, B, C, right? Pretty easy to remember. We know when he appears, we will be like him. When Jesus Christ returns, we will be raised up and given new bodies. We see the example of that when Jesus was raised and he walked amongst his disciples for 40 days. He, you know, he appeared to them. He ate fish with them by the sea. We will have new bodies. No, this is not wishful thinking. This is our hope, which is a reality because God's love is infinite and it's eternal. Right now, we're not like him. We try to be like him, but you know what? Uh, We can't be totally like him. And, you know, I don't know if Jesus really intended for us to be a bunch of little Jesus walking around. I think he intended for us to be uh, ourselves and live for him and talk for him and do loving acts and help others for him. See, right now we live in these bodies and we will not be perfect. We can't be perfect. We can strive, but we can't. We will fall short. Paul, the apostle says, it's like we are looking in a mirror and it's very dim, but one day we will look face to face. We're looking through this glass. One day we will see Jesus just as he is. The apostle John saw Jesus with his own eyes both before Jesus was resurrected and after Jesus was resurrected. But we see him now with eyes of faith. And here is a scripture that talks about the, I, I think it's the now and then. And this is a scripture that I think it raises up our joy when we actually think about it because it tells you where we really are right now, spiritually. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He's in the power position. Set your hearts towards that. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, when you, then you, will, you also will appear with him in glory. When he appears, we will appear with him. This is our future hope. We know when he appears, we will be like him. C.S. Lewis says this, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to get wet, you must get into the water, which probably most of us took two or three showers this past week every day. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get to or even into the thing that has them. And that's Jesus' kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. We know for sure, we know this for, for sure, that God loves us. And we never should forget how much God loves us. And that we matter to him. Let's stand together, close this service off in prayer. First, let's bow. Let's bow in prayer together. And I just want to say to some that may be here this morning, maybe even out there online watching, maybe you've never taken him up on this offer of receiving him. Maybe you've never known that love of God. You haven't forgotten it because maybe you never have really experienced it. You've never had an experience with God. I'd like to invite you to say this prayer for me because you can know the love of God in your heart today. You can know Jesus as your personal Savior. Dear Jesus, I believe in you and I receive you today. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins. I ask you to come into my life and help me to learn to know you and trust you and love you. That's a simple prayer. Jesus hears that prayer of your heart, that longing for his love. You receive him into your life. Now, for Christians, you may need encouragement this morning. You may need to crank up that joy. Maybe you've cranked up that joy, but you know that that joy... Uh, has an opposition to it. You will be opposed in this life. You will have troubles, you will have trials, you will have problems. We all will have those things. But remember these. Jesus came that you might have life more abundantly. Jesus invites you to have his immediate love right now in spite of the circumstance or the problem. I don't know what you're going through. You may be going through something very difficult. And Lord, I pray for that right now. That people in this place and online would come down out of that tree. Because Jesus is saying, I must stay at your house. 
There's those of us that need to be encouraged to fix our eyes on Jesus who's the author and finisher of our faith. We need to endure and realize that Jesus and take that truth full in that Jesus has endured for us for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He scorned the shame. And he sits at the right hand of God. And he's praying for us right now in difficult times, in troubled times. He knows you personally. It's not just for your neighbor. It's not just for your friends. It's for you. Make this for you today. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.